0: this is a holy baptist church podcast bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome lives are changing and jesus is king thanks for listening with us today we would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us but for now we pray you enjoy listening for what god has in store for you in this episode and that helps change your life for the better in jesus name. enjoy
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to HBC Online. I'm Sue. And I'm Angie. And welcome to the service, whether you're joining us live, on demand, or even listening to our podcast, which you can find at anywhere you can find your podcast. They say
2: that on All God Podcasts. They do do. indeed. They do Anywhere you can find your (laughs) podcast.
1: So this morning, we're continuing our sermon on the cost of living. And um, this morning, Phil is talking about living on the margin. I know it's tough times for everyone. So it's considering what... Is living on the margin. I think actually. it's living. I think
2: it might be living with margin.
1: Oh, living with margin on, is on it the margin, on the margin? Oh yes, Sometimes of course. Quite yes, a sorry. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> Which I guess is around just not living life completely, so you're a bursting point all the time. Yes, so yes. I guess because the series about money, we're talking about money, and yeah. living with some margin on money, but it's also something about life generally, isn't there? Hmm. Living with margin. Yes, yeah. So yes. It should be interesting. It should be looking forward to it. it, it sure always be. a good listen. So, so, hang around and listen to that.
3: The cost of living. Those are the subjects that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. And um, it is a bit depressing, isn't it? You read the news and every single day almost there's something about the cost of living that you and I are having to deal with. I want to set the scene a little bit here because I know what this is like when I've sat in a congregation or a seminar or whatever and I'm looking at the guy up the front and I'm thinking, what do you know about it? You know, I think, because you can have that pushback, can't you? You say, you haven't got my life, you haven't got my finances in this particular case. What on earth do you know about it? Let me just set the scene. I grew up in a home where at the age of 10, it was so chaotic financially that my mum and dad lost their house. They literally lost their lovely new build. And we ended. I was living in Yorkshire at the time, so I was in it's like Coronation Street. I, we were living in this end of terrace house in Yorkshire <clears throat> with no heating, no no central heating. Outside loo. Do you remember those? Yeah, some of you are older. Yeah, older than you look. Um, <clears throat> outside loo. They'd lost their lovely house. My my family taught me how not to do finance they taught me how not to do it and some of you may have grown up in that environment and then of course i i learned how not to do it so i got a good stable job and was careful with my money and then i decided to become a baptist minister ah because that meant going to college with no income in fact for 3 years we lived off half an m no not MS, um cna salary my wife's salary kept us afloat, and she was part-time working for CNA, if you remember them, the sort of budget MS. So we were working, that was, that was our income, and then the fourth year at college, because it was four years then, um, Sam, our first child, came along, which meant we had no income. So year four, nothing, living in London, paying college fees with no income. So I do know what it's like, and then for the rest of my working life really it's been on a baptist minister's salary which if you didn't know are usually below the national average salaries. so what does he know wearing his m s shirt up there what does he know well i most of my working life has been not wealthy and the last two years things have changed for us we're in our season of plenty at the moment but but up until that point really we had to make ends meet Most of the time. So that's why I'm saying this, because otherwise you might push back and just say, you don't understand my life. We're in this series, Cost of Living. And throughout this series, we've been looking at what happens when finances control you instead of you controlling your finances. And we're looking at how you can get some control back in your life. And I'm sure some of you want that. Um, Listen, it's okay for your garage to look like this. Some of you have got garages like this, haven't you? I know what you'll be doing for the rest of the day now. Um, but it is not okay for the rest of your life to look like that. Chaos and mess. It is not okay. Because you can never find anything, and you can never do anything. The good news is, the good news is, I don't want anything from you. In fact, this whole series, we don't want anything from you. But we do want to give you something. We do want to give you something. And what we want to give you is this, margin. We want to give you some margin in your life. Margin is this. It's the space between our limits. And do recognize you have limits. You have financial limits. You have time limits. You have physical limits. All of us have limits. Margin is the difference between your limit... Oh. It's not coming up. Never mind. Okay, between your limit and your load, that is the difference. The truth is, so many of us are overloaded, there's no margin in our lives. Let me read you a little quote. This is uh, Richard Swenson, Dr. Richard Swenson, talking about margin. He says this, The conditions of modern-day living devour margin. If you're homeless, we direct you to a shelter. If you're breathless, we connect you to oxygen. But if you're marginless, we give you one more thing to do. Marginless is being 30 minutes late for the doctors because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdressers because you were 10 minutes late dropping off the children at school. That's marginless. Margin, on the other hand, is having breath at the top of the staircase. Money at the end of the month. And sanity at the end of the day. Margin less is the baby crying and the phone ringing all at the same time. Margin is grandma. Margin less is being asked to carry a load five pounds heavier than you can lift. Margin is having a friend to carry half of that burden. Margin less is not having the time to finish the book you're reading on stress. Margin is having the time to read it twice. Margin less is fatigue. Margin is energy. Margin less is hurry. Margin is calm. Margin less is our culture. Margin is counterculture. Margin less is the disease of this decade. And margin is the cure. So this morning, we're looking at the benefits of living your life. And you can apply this to your finances, but actually you can apply it to anything in your life. We're looking at margin in your finance. Now, the truth of today is, and the culture we live in, is your money is limited, but in our culture, you don't have to limit what you do with it. That's because in our culture... You can borrow the stuff. Now, you can't do that with your time. You can't do that necessarily with your energy. But you can do it with money, and a lot of people do. And by borrowing too much, you start to lose control of your life. And life starts to feel a lot like that, doesn't it? Life starts to feel like that and that is true for a person of faith or a person of no faith it doesn't matter whether you've got faith or not if you borrow too much that's what it feels like but if you're a christian you need to know this and this is important in fact if you walk away from here today try and remember this one thing there is a relationship between your ability to follow christ and your finances There is a relationship between your ability to follow Jesus and do what he asks you to do and your personal finances. So let's start with this idea. We're going to start with a little idea. Have a look at this, see what you think. There is a big difference between your standard of living and your quality of life. Now, our culture will tell you that's not true. Our culture will say... And you're bombarded every day, aren't you, with adverts telling you that your standard of living and your quality of life are the same thing. I want to tell you that is not true. It is just not true. Some of us here may be enjoying, even though it is the... Cost of living crisis. Some of us in the last few years might have enjoyed the highest standard of living you've ever had, but you might find yourself still arguing about money and not enjoying what you've got. Standards of living and quality of life, they're different things. Why would you not be enjoying it? Because there's a difference between the two. Don't ever confuse them. If there is a God, who do you think, and I I'm fairly confident there is. I'll just let you know that up front. If there is a God, what do you think he's most concerned about out of those two things in your life? What do you think? Yeah, quality of life. Think about it this way. If you're married, would you rather have an awesome marriage or a horrible marriage with an amazing house and some terrific cars? Which would you rather have? Probably best not answer that. I don't know. <laughs> but you get the gist. You get the gist. And, and here's, the, here's the ominous truth. Some of us here in this room might have ex- experimented with this principle. We might have had a gorgeous house and cool cars and never wanted to go home. There is a difference between quality of life and standard of living so i'm going to give you a shock statement and this is about as counter as it gets there will be kickback in your heart over this you ready here we go creating margin may lower your standard of living <gasps> that's not what the conservatives have told me i should be aiming for Creating margin may lower your standard of living, but it will raise your quality of life. I believe that to be true. This is so countercultural, it's scary, but this is what we're going to talk about today the potential that lowering your standard of living might actually improve your life. Because some of us are run ragged trying to maintain the standard of living that we're reading on, on our Facebook pages, that we're seeing on our neighbours. And it's killing us. And it's limiting us. And we can't follow Jesus because of it. This is what we're going to talk about. Let me tell you a few things that I know about you and me. And I think this is true for all of us. Here we go. Here's the first one. Here's what I know about you and me. We all live on a percentage of our income. We all do. Here's the question. What is that percentage? I bet a lot of you don't know. I bet a lot of us don't know. What is the percentage of my income that I'm actually living on? When I did marriage prep, I'd often ask the couples to uh, set a budget, pick a percentage that they live on every month, preferably lower than their income. Because If they didn't pick a figure, and if you don't pick a figure, and if I don't pick a figure, culture and advertisers and Facebook and your neighbor will pick it for you. They will. Here's the second thing I know about us. Um, We think, if I had a little bit more, I'd be fine. Absolutely fine. Invariably, we often start thinking this, when we allow culture to determine the figure that we're going to live on. That's where we set it. Here's the third thing I know about you and me. We felt the same when we earned a lot less, didn't we? Ten years ago, if somebody had told you you'd be earning what you are earning now and you would still feel financial pressure... You would have laughed if they'd have told you 10 years ago, this is what you'll be earning. You would have said, I'd be fine with that. Can, everything will change because of that. And that's not true, is it? Here we are, and we still think, 10 years later, earning a lot more than we did. If I could just earn a bit more. What if you picked a percentage lower than your income to live on? What if you did that? What if your finances in time... Oh, that hasn't come up. That's weird. There was a graph there. Okay. There was a graph there. Where the word income is was the line going upwards. And there was a line on spending. And then there's a gap between the two called a breathing, breathing space. What if our graph could look like that? So you could cope with a financial rainy day. So you could cope with a a cost-of-living crisis. So you could enjoy an occasional treat. So you could live financially with some breathing space. What if we could do that? If you had that margin, you'd sleep better, you'd get along better, and you'd be a lot more generous. What if we pick a figure below our income to live on? So you should do, and I should do, whatever it takes... Legally, let me just add that caveat. You should do whatever it takes legally to make that happen, because life is better when you have margin in our lives. But most of us let our income determine our expenditure. And on graph, look, I've got a nasty feeling this won't show up either. Yeah, there you go. you just got two <laughs> uh, worth a try. There is a graph there, but for some reason it's disappeared on the PowerPoint. Um, Generally, the two lines are parallel. They're both together. The income is the same as the expenditure. That's what most of our life looks like. So if you earn £27,000 a year, you spend £27,000 a year. Result? Financial pressure. You've got no margin. Anything happens, anything at all, and you've got a problem. If you earn £100,000 a year and you spend £100,000 a year, result? Financial pressure. You notice here, do you notice what's causing the pressure? It's not the amount you're earning, it's the fact that you are letting income equal expenditure. That's the problem. No matter how much you earn, if you let income equal expenditure, you will always experience financial pressure. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says this the wise man saves for the future but the foolish man spends whatever he gets the foolish man lets income equal expenditure whatever happens what happens when you're when you live to your income and you lose your job what happens then What happens when there's a cost of living crisis? What happens when inflation hits 10% or interest rates on your mortgage shoot up? When you live, when your income equals your expenditure, what happens? Pressure. No margin. Jesus warned us, life is not always going to be easy. I like Jesus. He's very honest. He says, it's not going to be a bed of roses. You know, come to Jesus and everything's going to be lovely. Not true. Even as a Christian, you face difficulties and problems in life. The difference is you have someone with you, walking alongside and guiding you all the way through it. But you will have problems. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Proverbs 22, verse 3: A prudent person therefore foresees difficulties and takes precautions. That's called margin. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. When you live with no financial breathing room, listen: here's what happens: you become a slave. It is slavery. Slavery still exists, and in the UK, it's a financial slavery that most people find themselves in. You can spend your way into slavery and borrow your way into slavery. Other people start making decisions about where you will live, about what you will drive, about what you can and cannot buy. And here's the, here's the kicker, about what you can give to people, about what you can give to your children someone else will make the call about what you will give to your parents somebody else is now making the call on that and as a disciple of jesus about what you will give to god somebody else is now making the call on that it is financial slavery banks are good Credit cards are useful. Loans have a place. But when you misuse these things, when you live up to or above your income with no margin, you become a slave. And here's the real strange thing. Reputable financial institutions don't want that for you either. They really don't. It's bad for business. They don't want that to happen to you. Why do we choose to live like this? Well, the typical response is, I didn't. I didn't choose to live like this. I didn't choose to have these sort of finances. It's the economy. Or it's the advertisers. Or it's the economic downturn. Or it's Liz Truss. I thought I'd throw her name in just to see what happened. Or Quasi Quatang. It's their fault. And I have a certain sympathy with that. But, um, but it is there for, you know, and we blame everybody else. We want to blame everybody else for our situation, don't we? But be honest. We were living like this before the economy had a hiccup, weren't we? Some of us. We were living like this before this economic downturn. We were living like this before the pandemic and its consequences. We were living like this before Brexit and its consequences. Before subprime in 2008, we were living like this. We chose to live without margin a lot of the time. 2,000 years ago, Jesus predicted this sort of behavior. And in Luke 16, he tells a story about a very shrewd manager who's about to get fired. And he uses his position to ensure he has a much better job after he gets fired. And at the end of the parable, um, talking about money, which it is, Jesus draws a conclusion, and he says this. You'll know the verse quite well. You cannot serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Wow. You cannot serve God if you are enslaved to money. Now some of you have had jobs like this, haven't you? You've had a job where you've got two bosses both telling you opposite things, and whatever you do, ah, oh, you can't win. Some of you had families like this. Two parents who couldn't agree on how to bring you up. So one's telling you to do this and one's telling you to do that, and it's oh it's a nightmare, isn't it? Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. It just doesn't work. You can't live like that. When you've got two people telling you what to do, there is huge tension. It's the same with God and money, says Jesus. God says, here's how I want you to treat your family, order your finances, spend your time, and prioritize your life. Here's how I want you to do it. But at some some point, you will feel torn between what God wants you to do And your devotion to stuff in your life. And you will have to choose which one to listen to. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, who has spent and borrowed your way into debt, you will find yourself opening the Bible and saying, I know Jesus says I should do this, but Visa says that and i know i should go over here but barclays won't let me if you have become a slave to finances you can follow you can't follow jesus even if you want to if you've become a slave to debt you discover sometimes that you've allowed mismanagement of money to keep you from becoming a devoted follower of christ money can be your master this is a big deal this is why if you read the new testament jesus seems to talk about money an awful lot and this is for us in the west he talks about it a huge amount in fact go and add up the verses because this is a big deal because this is about your discipleship to christ and whether you can be a disciple or not you read what he says about generosity, and you can't even help your own family because you're maxed out. You read what he says about emotions, that famous phrase, do not worry. Oh. Do not worry. And you, all, your, all your energy is on what's going to be on the table tomorrow. You read what he says about relationships. You know those verses in the New Testament, the one another, you know one another verses? Love one another, serve one another, carry one another's burdens, be generous to one another, be kind to one another. And those are practical things, not just verbal things. And when your financial world is in trouble, you don't do many one another's because you haven't got anything to do it with. So, what do you do? Let me close with the stuff you need to do. Here we go. First thing you need to do is decide. Decide. It's not about the difficulty, trust me, it's not about the difficulty. It's about the discipline. It's the same problem I have with exercise. I know I need to do exercise. I just never get round to doing it. And we got the same problem with our finances sometimes, haven't we? It's about discipline. It's about just Do it to quote Nike just do it it's a lack of discipline that stops us this is really the only step you need make a decision and go for it that's the only thing you need you can forget the rest because you'll end up doing something about your the problem that you're in Um, if you're smart enough you'll figure it out you just need the discipline second thing is set some margin Decide what percentage you want between those two figures, between your income and your expenditure. Just write down a number. Could be 10%, could be 5%, could be 50%, but pick a figure and work out what that figure is. Set a margin. Next thing you need to do is spy on your money because, say, I'll be honest, most of us haven't got a clue where our money's going. Do you know where your money's going? You get the end of the month, so you think, where did my money go? we don't know we don't know what we're spending it on so spy on your money for a couple of months take a couple of months over this you should know where your money's going because let me tell you if you don't know where your money's going you can't fix it if you don't know what the problem is you can't fix it so spy on your money for a couple of months next thing cut and adjust spending Work out what you can cut out. You just don't need it. You're not using it. It's not making a big difference to your life if it wasn't there. Cut it out. Get rid of it. Usually gym memberships, isn't it? Let's be honest. Most people have got... Everybody's signed up to a gym and nobody ever turned... Everybody's wondering, where are these people? Most gyms survive off the fact that most of us never turn up. (sighs) You know, do something else. Go for a walk. Take the dog out. Do something else. But... You know, scrap that if you're not using it. Or go to the gym, either way. But, you know, I need to do that. Don't ask my wife. But there you go. Um, but work out what you're going to cut out and work out what you're going to cut down. What are you going to cut down? Spend less on. And let me give you a little mantra. A little mantra is this. I want is much better than I.O. Because once you get to IO, you're stuck. I want, you can want as much as you want. Just don't get to I.O., all right? Don't get to I.O. And then you deal with debt. Once you've got those things sorted out, once you've moved through those, deal with debt, because debt will kill you every time. There are tons of resources. This church runs CAP. Use that. Use it. It will tell you how to manage your finances, work on your debt, get rid of it, free yourself up, create some margins. It's a brilliant resource. Christians Against Poverty. Um, It's a course you can do at any time. Folks here will help you with that. Care for the Family has tons of resources for families on how to manage your household finances. Care for the Family. There's a lovely book by David Ramsey. Write this down. David Ramsey, Financial Peace Revisited. It's a brilliant book. It has all sorts of information and tactics and helps for Christians who want to be a disciple of Jesus and want to do what Jesus says, not what Visa says. That's what, it's a brilliant book. David Ramsey, Financial Peace Revisited. Go and look it up. Especially Chapter 8, Debt Snowball Program. Look up a Debt Snowball Program, David Ramsey, on the internet. It'll tell you what it is. It's lovely, brilliant. Anybody can do it. Um, And the final one. Adopt a payday plan. So once you've dealt with your debt, once you've decided how much margin you're going to create, once you've done all that and you've spied on your money, create a little plan that happens every payday. And the best one I know of is the most simple thing in the world. And it works. I've been doing it for about 30 years. And it works. It's created margin in my life. So as soon as you get paid every month, and that's really critical because most of us think, you know what, I'll put some money in saving at the end of the month after I've been paid and after I've paid everybody else. Don't do that. You will never save anything. As soon as you get your pay packet, your pension, your income, put the money to one side and don't touch it. And here's who you pay. The first 10% is the 10-10-80 plan. The first 10%, you stick straight in to God's house. First 10%, you pay God. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honour the Lord with all your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Payday comes in. On that day, you pay 10% to God. Some of you might not be able to do that because of your financial situations just decide on a figure, at least start, do something, make it regular, and give something back to God every month. I've done that even when we struggled with any income at all, and God has always honoured me. I can honestly say God has always honoured me. Never been in want. God has always honoured that commitment to him. So, first 10%, to God. What do you do with the second 10? Well, the second 10 is, you first one you pay God, second one you pay yourself. You take that money and you put it in a long-term savings account and you don't touch it. Bar major crisis, you don't touch it. Second 10%, you pay yourself. This isn't, by the way, a mad money fund. You know what a mad money fund is? A mad money fund is so you can buy yourself a Mercedes CLS in five years' time. That's a mad money fund. A mad money fund is so, you, ladies, you can buy yourself a Balenciaga handbag in a few weeks. That's, that's a mad money fund. That is not what this is for. This is a long-term investment and saving for the future to get yourself free. And the third thing you do, what do you do with the 80? 10, 10, 80, what do you do with the 80? Well, you pay everybody else. You pay the butcher, you pay the baker, and you pay the candlestick maker, and you pay everybody else, and you live on that amount, the 80. I did some figures. You want to hear this? This is staggering. Listen to this. Let's assume you have a salary of 15,000 pounds a year. That's not a lot today. 15,000 pounds a year. So I'm going bottom rung here. You earn 15,000 pounds a year. Let's imagine you did the 10, 10, 80 for 20 years and you did it properly for 20 years. After 20 years, you would have given 30,000 pounds to God's work in the world if you earned 15,000 pounds and it never changed. You would have given 30,000 pounds to God's work in the world. And if you put the money away, the second 10%, into a fund that would probably earn 5%, and that's, that's really conservative, because if you do an investment properly, you will earn more than that, even when the interest rates were low. You put it in there, and after 20 years, you would have a fund of £61,000. That's what the 10-10-80 would do. Imagine how you could serve God with that. That's incredible. This really matters because this is about your ability. Jesus would say this is about your ability to follow him, to listen to him, to respond to those needs around you, to make a difference in the world around you. It's not just about our security. It's about how we can make a difference in this world and use the resources that we've got to do it. That's what God wants his disciples to do. The chief competitor for our heart is not the devil, says Jesus. It's your stuff. In the West, it's our stuff that is the chief competitor for our hearts. And creating margin may lower your standard of living, but I can guarantee you, It will raise your quality of life. God bless you as you follow him. And as it said in Psalm 73, when we were starting this service, that we need to follow his counsel. And if we do, there's no limit to what he can do with us and through us. This is a discipleship thing. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us in this because in the Western world, in our culture, in our country, we get so confused. Lord, we are a privileged people. I stand here as a very privileged person living in this nation at this time despite the difficulties. And we ask you to help us to be great stewards of what we have. And may our money never get in the way of our ability to follow you. May it in fact be a tool that we can use to follow you and to bless this world. We ask that you will turn it around in our lives. And if we need help, help us not to be embarrassed, but a call out for your help and for the help of others. Thank you for your wise counsel. That can make a difference not only in our lives but in the lives of our family and our friends and our communities we ask this in jesus name amen amen here are three questions to help you think through this are you trying to maintain a standard of living that is actually damaging your quality of life. What percentage of your income are you living on? What can you cut out? And what can you cut back in order to create some margin? cannot serve God and money. So what payday plan will you make to create some financial margin so that you can serve God?
2: Thank you, Phil. Wow, tough one,
1: actually. It was a tough, tough one. one. We were just
2: thinking about some of those questions, and I think we're thinking they're quite personal questions mm. for for us to discuss um, publicly. Yes. Um, but I, I, I liked the I like the. Um... We just had an accident in the room. We've just spilled some wine on the floor. We've <laughs> so <somebody laughs> lost our voices. But. Um, when he said about, um, would you, about the quality of life? The quality of life. the quality of life. So, That's the quality of life. so maintain, when you... Go oh,
1: on, you've got it. It's the, the um, do you maintain standard of living or the quality of life, actually? And I think standard of living is very much, I think, directed by advertising, social media, actually trying to keep up with the Joneses, yes. isn't it, actually? And do, do you need things? Do you need to show how much money you've got? But actually... Uh, the impact on your quality of life if actually you're struggling all the time. Yes, no, absolutely.
2: And he had that great. <coughs> I like the marriage illustration. Yeah. You know, would you yeah. rather be in a marriage that is happy and and fulfilled, and you've got a great relationship, um, or would you rather be in a, a, a difficult marriage and have house and cars? And I think that's absolutely right. You know that we sometimes we do try, as you said, you know, to have sort of that, that high standard of living mm. in our quality of life. Yes. And, I, and I think I think goes back to what we were saying at the start, was, doesn't it? That often are um you you can find quality of life in other things in you know um going for a walk yeah um in, yeah. Uh, in ha- and, and having and having a little treat spending some time with somebody mm. um rather than having 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 things yes and it's interesting wasn't he talked about the verse about you can't serve god and money and i'd never really i don't think i've ever really thought about that verse before. Mm. um and that idea that you know if money is everything then you do have to squeeze Jesus out, don't you? Yes. Um, lots to think on there. So hope you found that helpful. Um, if you found it helpful, why not share the message with somebody else? Um, we've got a cat course coming up. We haven't got a starting date for that. But if you're interested um, in joining our cat course, Christians Against Poverty, they run an excellent uh, money course, then you can email us. You can email us at any of our addresses, but let's go for got questions. So if you've got any questions about anything you've heard today, questions about the church, questions about the cat course, you can email us on the screen there got questions at holybaptist.org.uk and somebody will get back to you straight away
1: uh what well, i with the cap course the christians against Posit- poverty i think everyone's heard of martin lewis the great money guru actually and actually he promotes christians against positive uh, can't say it, christians against poverty yeah. to try and help people so, sort out their finances yeah. actually so it's great a great organization great um, support that they can give to people really,
2: really and I think sometimes the title might put people off you know you don't yeah. have to be a Christian and you don't yeah. have to be in poverty um you know but it it, helps
1: budgeting is yeah that's how with budgeting it, yeah.
2: and, and um and it's really really practical course so yeah. if you're interested then do please get in touch
0: That was today's episode of the Holy Baptist Church podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Holy Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Holy Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.